everyone. Welcome to the I-117 podcast, the podcast where we view current day issues involving justice, kindness, and equality through the lens of faith. I'm your host, Ross Weingartner, and today let's get started with some good news. Many publications, newspapers, blogs have embraced telling the good stories, the notes of positivity that have occurred during this current crisis as we go through the COVID-19 pandemic. People have been drawn closer together, and they're recognizing that community exists everywhere. And we need to help each other get through the rough times of both the present and our future. The first specific story that I want to talk about today comes from CNET. And it's about how a new service called uh, Too Good To Go is cutting down on food waste in Europe. Food waste is a huge issue. According to the USDA, the United States wastes 30 to 40% of our food supply. This is food that could be used to feed millions of people who are food insecure. Now, food insecure means that they have these people have trouble finding food. They don't have a reliable source of food. Um, this could be caused by their income, they, a number of reasons. So the problem in the United States and in many parts of Europe is that Not that there's not enough food, but that we're having trouble getting food into the hands of the people that need it. Too Good To Go is an app that creates a marketplace for surplus food. Restaurants and stores can make a list of foods that would otherwise be wasted and thrown out. This food is put on the app at a heavily discounted price so people can come by and purchase it during closing, when otherwise the food would be just thrown away. The app is currently functioning in 12 European countries, and it saves around 100,000 meals per day. Now, this solution has a positive impact on multiple fronts. Now, obviously, the number one and most important is that affordable food is made more available to the people that need it. And this also prevents literally tons of food waste from going into landfills where it breaks down in an anaerobic way that's not good for the environment. We want our food waste to actually break down with oxygen, right? Think of um, composting. A lot of people take part in that. That's good for the earth. And then a third way that this is beneficial is it does help local small businesses because Otherwise, they would be just throwing that food away. Now they can give back to the community and make um, a small monetary amount. In the U.S., several organizations or people have made similar apps that work on a smaller scale. These apps are mostly based on smaller uh, localities, uh, primarily New York, Boston. They're not taking on the entire country yet. There's another one that focuses specifically on uh, for university students as well. But programs like this, starting in local levels, are critical in fighting hunger and providing affordable food for families. We've seen during this period a number of businesses step up and recognize the importance of providing affordable meals to people that are food insecure. Before this, much of the burden has been placed on the school system to provide kids with a warm meal during lunches, through the free and reduced lunch program. With school shut down, however, people have had to face the reality that there are a number of people that rely on these programs to eat. This is something that people can't just turn away from as we continue to move forward. Hopefully, through the COVID-19 quarantine and efforts to help people, 
there will be a greater movement to support initiatives like Too Good to Go. Now, locally in Franklin County, we have an effort called the Blessing Boxes. These boxes are a place to drop off non-perishable food items for people that need them. It's important as we move forward in the next few weeks to not forget about the people that rely on these boxes to get affordable food. If you're interested in helping out, I recommend you reach out to their Facebook page or simply stop by the nearest box and drop off some goods. We have five boxes throughout Chambersburg. There's one in Mercersburg, another in Fayetteville. So they're all around. And even if you don't live in Fulton County, you should do a little bit of research and see if you have a similar program in place in your community, a place where people can drop off boxed goods for others. Now, turning away from the food discussion, I want to talk specifically about a, web, a website that was put together by Wellspan Health. Now, Wellspan runs the local hospital and many of the medical facilities here in Chambersburg. And what they've done is they've put together the, a web page with all the different ways that people can help out during this crisis. They've created guidelines and links for people to donate uh, monetary gifts, donate food, blood, uh, provide much-needed supplies like face shields, gloves, gowns, scrubs, toilet paper, soaps, everything. And they also have guidelines on how to make handmade fabric masks. And I know that's something that a lot of people have been doing, especially as they've come with a little bit of spare time. They're trying to um, find new interests as they are stuck inside. And so this is a really helpful site. It tells you exactly where you can drop them off. There are drop-off points um, with all throughout Chambersburg. Um, I believe there's one in Carlisle, Gettysburg. I really recommend that you go to that site. I will put it in the comments if um, you want to take part. It's, again, something that I definitely think is uh, certainly worthwhile. Now, through all of this, Central Presbyterian has continued our year with the Bible studies. And this week, I was reading through Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And much of this letter is helping the people of this early church settle matters that were causing disruption, unease, rifts within the church. Paul is doing what he can to offer guidance to these people in the hopes that the church community can heal in such a way as to continue the movement grow, and embody the teachings of Christ. This view of the church, this outside view of somebody who's not necessarily in the congregation can sometimes be valuable. I mean, Paul is able to look at the congregation as an outsider and point out some of the things that they need to do to improve. And one of the things that was going on in this church was there was this competition between the congregants, the members of the congregation, over who is um, the most Christian, who's the most devout. And as I was reading about this, I was reading about the, these people being competitive and the nature, the spirit of competition at the time, I really thought about our own society and 
I can't help but feel that we're pretty competitive ourselves. I mean, again, I'll speak to my experiences. All the way through college, my friends and I, we'd watch any sport that was on. Football, baseball, hockey, basketball, uh, curling, you name it. If there's a ball or something that resembles a ball, we're in. And the appeal to us was watching the competition. Masters of the sport, these athletes, these coaches competing. And then even beyond that, we would, I mean, we would take part in competition. We would play sports again, whatever. And so I get this spirit of competition. And there's even competition that's outside of sports. You know, that's probably the, the one that comes most easily to my mind. But really, you think about every hobby, every interest, Even when we get into career fields or professions, there are competitions. Again, from my experience in my career field, let's look at education. Now, we measure children starting at a very young age um, with standardized testing. And we start to determine what level is this young person, this child at as far as their skills. And we start to compare this child with other children, developmentally, academically. And in a way, even though that it's made with the best intentions, a competitive aspect appears. Even as children grow up, there is this competition of getting into a good college, a good university. We have tests like the SATs. We have interviews. And students are competing essentially with others to try to get into the university of their choice. And then even more broadly, the teachers and the schools themselves are essentially ranked. They're given a number based on a number of criteria from the government to essentially say, How well is this school functioning? There's competition for loans from banks by building higher credit score to try to prove that you are a more trustworthy borrower than somebody else. We compete in the job market by writing a perfect resume, practicing interview answers, finding just the right way to get that job. We compete through social media, sometimes even unconsciously, trying to prove that our lives are the best. We take the best photos, we write the best messages, and all of this is often serving this ideal version of us that we want to put out there. Now, don't get me wrong. Competition can be good. It can be something that pushes the competitors to their best, encouraging them to continually better themselves, and become motivated. But it can also be destructive. Competition can sometimes set up a system of have and have nots and then continually reinforce this situation. For instance, in some places there is a lack of affordable housing. And what eventually happens is you have a number of people applying for very few apartments, um, houses, whatever. And so the landlords can look and make their choice. There are databases that show 
potential landlords, everybody's um, history as far as evictions are concerned. And so somebody that has had an eviction seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, that that could show up if their landlord searches for them using this tool. Well, that could put them in a disadvantage with other people, even though that was way in the past and maybe there was extenuating circumstances, there were health issues, who knows? It's really difficult. In a school system that constantly assigns scores and numbers, those that struggle may develop a conception that they're just simply not smart or they're incapable of succeeding or they are dumb. I've had students that have told me before, I'm just dumb. And once this belief sets in at an early age, it's really hard to recover. At a point, students question, hey, why am I putting myself through this? Why should I even try? Because everyone, the whole system is going to tell me that I'm not good enough, that I'm below average. And so for these students, as a protective mechanism, they stop trying. And they decide that they're just going to barely skate by, if, if at all. And this is heartbreaking. I, I've talked to some students that are quite intelligent. They're quite capable, but they don't believe in themselves because there's this competitive system that's broken them down over the years. They've been told through measures that are designed to be objective, that they are not kids that are going to be good at school. Now, anybody who's worked with kids or has looked at these tests, no. How do you make an objective test? How, how, how can you do that whenever kids could have so much more going on in their lives? Just because a kid doesn't do well on a test, doesn't get the number, doesn't get the score, that only gives you one picture of a person. This doesn't take in the real-life struggles of the family that were the students that can distract from schoolwork. You can have divorces, illnesses, uh, sudden moves, abuse, parental job loss. There's so many issues that can affect kids that really have nothing to do with academics. But yet, we still give them this score. And it can lead to a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, all of this, all of this discussion about competition, let's go back to the Corinthians. We have a new church, new followers of Christ. These, these people are brave. They're bold. They're setting off on something daring and new. And I imagine that they're burning with passion and enthusiasm, as many people that are in a new movement are, right? And this enthusiasm... Again, maybe not necessarily consciously, maybe so, takes on a competitive edge. People start thinking. Um, they they want to show their belief. They want to show their Christianity in such a way as to be unquestionably devout or the most devout. How many of you have gone to church and you've looked at other people, their actions, their words, and thought, man, I wish I were as good a Christian as them? I know I have. And there's a part of my brain that sometimes says, well, <laughs> if you work a little harder, you say this, you do that, then you'll, you'll be up at that level. 
but on honest reflection, are those thoughts, those feelings out of a true desire to improve as a Christian? Or are they some sort of performative desire, some sort of competition? Who are those thoughts for? Another thing I think about is the people who truly don't believe that they fit in with the typical vision of what a Christian is in our society. They have this view of a Christian that excels in outward talents. They speak well. They pray well. They have the right thing to say. They can memorize Bible verses and recite them at opportune times. These talents, all of them, are legitimate and they're wonderful. But for the person who doesn't excel in these talents, the quiet, the shy, the ones who don't have a knack for reading or speaking in the traditionally Christian way— they could feel left out. And they may feel that they don't have the talents or the skills of a Christian. And it's because of this feeling of competition. Well, if those who have these traits are the most Christian, and I know that I'll never have those skills, then, hey, maybe Christianity is not for me. Or these people may feel disenfranchised, become unchurched, and drift away from community. Now, Paul reminds the Corinthians that they need to value the talents of all people. And they need to actively make all people feel valued, embrace them, bring them into the fold, allow them to use their unique talents to strengthen and build the community. Not every talent is going to be as visible as the speaker, the musician, the teacher, the leader. But that doesn't make them any less important. As Paul says, the body relies on all organs to work together to function. Those organs, both visible and invisible, work together to make the strong body, to keep the body healthy. And we need to make sure that as people that are part of the body of the church, we look at our own talents and seek to cultivate them in a way that pleases God and use them in a way to help further his aims. And we also need to encourage others to use their talents in the same way. We need to make sure that we are treating people, all people, as valued members of the church body. To do otherwise can be patronizing and off-putting. And cutting others off, not allowing them to express their talents or guiding them to finding their talents, only weakens the church in the long run. Now, as we stand at a challenging time, I believe it's more important than ever that we reflect on our talents and find ways that we can use them to bring people together, help people recover, help people grieve, help people cope with the crisis in which we find ourselves. The effects of COVID-19 are going to be here for a long time, even after the calls for sheltering in place end. The effects on our emotional well-being, the effects on our economy, a strong church body will be able to stand together after this is all over and begin the work of rebuilding, begin the work of healing. So this week, maybe explore your talents. Again, all of us have our own. And also make it a point to be grateful for the talents of others and let people know. Be appreciative for what they can do to bring to our community. 
and that's all that's that's my message for uh this week thanks again for listening as always you can find us on facebook facebook.com i the number one 17 all spelled out if you want to join in a project you have an idea whatever you want to reach out talk to somebody that's fine uh, send me a message episodes of the podcast will typically go up every monday morning if you like what you're hearing please share it let other people know uh, leave a five-star review if you're listening on itunes or whatever podcast um program is your listening choice i don't know um and yeah uh, thank you for thank you again for listening and i'll see you next week